welcome to the C3 Camden podcast. For more information about our church, please visit www.c3camden.church. We are so thrilled that you're listening today and we hope you enjoy the message. Thank you, Pastor Edwina. That was uh, lovely. We love being part of this church and uh, we long to be part of it for a long, long time. And uh, so I just want to thank Pastor Edwina for the opportunity uh, to preach and also for Pastor uh, Rowan uh, and Jill. And I just want to also just acknowledge my lovely wife, Rosalie. It's our 30th wedding anniversary tomorrow. And uh, yeah. it's very easy to be married when you're married to someone as lovely as Rosalie. And so that's great. <laughs> All right, okay, that was the mushy stuff, let's get on with it. All right, um, last week, uh, Jimmy um, finished off our series on encounters with God, but I just want to tell you something, you can actually have an encounter with God every day of the week. So just because we've finished that series doesn't mean to say that this series is not about encounters with God, because actually I'm hoping that um, through the message today that you will actually encounter Jesus, um, because that is the most wonderful thing. But you know, you can encounter Jesus in your small groups, you can encounter him just where two or more are gathered together in um, his name. It's, the Bible says he's, he's right there, and, and even just when you're by yourself, uh, you can encounter Jesus. So... Thanks, Jimmy. Um, but we're continuing on the series, even though it's called a different name. Um, so last year, when Pastor Wiener asked me to preach on Advent, I actually had to Google it, to be honest, which is really embarrassing, given that I was a minister for a long, long time. Uh, but uh, I, when I read it, I thought, yes, okay, I do, I do understand all that. We just didn't use that word. But I actually got saved into um, the traditional churches, so I got saved into um, the United Church, and I'm sure we must have done Advent, uh, but my, my clearest recollection was actually when I was a youth pastor um, uh, for the First Presbyterian Church uh, in Invercargill, and I'll talk a little bit about that um, later on. But while, So while I love being uh, a Pentecostal, being part of the Pentecostal Church, I feel sometimes... Uh, in our desire to be contemporary and relevant, that we divert away from some of the things that are more traditional and we kind of lose some of the, um, the majesty and things behind those uh, celebrations in the church, which actually uh, taught us really a lot about our Christian faith. So before I um, uh, actually talk about what Advent is, let's just talk about why do we celebrate um, Christmas on the 25th of December. Uh, there's lots of different theories around that. And uh, some people um, think that it's because uh, Mary got pregnant with the, by the Holy Spirit on the 25th of March. And so therefore, nine months later, 25th of December, you know. And so in the, um, uh, in the Catholic Church, they actually... Um, celebrate every year the 25th of March and they call it um, the Feast of the Annunciation which remembers the Archangel Gabriel visiting Mary and informing her that she would become pregnant and so therefore then nine months uh, later. The, the only one problem with that potentially is that Jesus was born in a stable. Now it could have been a, uh, a cave or something like that but December would have been in the middle of winter and so I know that Jesus came and was born in a humble sort of setting. But can you imagine poor old Mary having to travel in the snow and give birth in the snow and that kind of stuff? So anyway, we don't, we don't know. Another, another theory 
um, is that um, uh, when uh, the Emperor Constantine became a Christian, uh, he was looking at ways to actually um, incorporate Christianity into the lifestyle um, of the population at that point. And so he looked at a lot of the what were pagan um, celebrations and actually converted them into Christian ones. And um, one of the celebrations that actually took place on the 25th of December was the winter solstice, which talked about the darkest night. That was the darkest night of the year, and coming out of the darkness, you'll be coming into times of light. And, and that kind of thought does kind of fit with uh, the key verse uh, for today, which is um, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. It says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness a light will shine. So what is Advent? Advent, um, some people think that it actually started from a, a teaching series that was in the, uh, in the French church in the 4th century, which prepared people for baptism um, on Epiphany Sunday. Now, what is Epiphany Sunday, you might ask? I had to Google that as well. It's amazing what Google knows about the Christian faith. But uh, maybe I should ask Google, uh, hey, Google, are you a Christian? Because you seem to know a lot about it. Because you'll probably, she'll probably say no. Anyway, you try it. <laughs> anyway, Epiphany Sunday is supposed to be the Sunday um, that the, uh, the wise man from the east visited Jesus. Um, and so um, it was like they had this moment of the, the realization that Jesus was the Messiah. And so... Um, you know, you've heard the word, you have an epiphany. Well, that's where that sort of comes from. And so, uh, and in the Eastern Orthodox churches, they still celebrate Christmas on uh, January the 6th, which is Epiphany Sunday. But a lot of what we do actually comes from the Catholic Church. And uh, so we celebrate on uh, the 25th of December. So Advent comes from a Latin word called Adventus, which means coming. And uh, in the Christian church calendar, it's the preparation, uh, a period of pre preparation for the celebration of the birth of Christ at Christmas and also the preparation for the second coming of Christ. So let's just put up this uh, next slide. And it just shows you in the, in the Catholic church, there's specific prayers around each of the Sundays. And the first one, which is hope, which is the one that I'm talking about today, it actually shoots right over Christmas and goes to Easter. Oh, no, it actually goes further than that because it actually comes to uh, the second coming of Christ. So um, that, I think, is really exciting and something that probably we can gloss over if we, really, if we don't um, really go into uh, the story of Advent. So today I have the privilege of um, talking about hope, which is the first candle which is lit uh, during Advent. And... Uh, Pastor Wiener's uh, talked about um, the cards, uh, the um, Advent calendars that we have. And if you actually have a look on your calendar, um, hope is the first thing on the card. So the hope of Christmas is actually a special um, message for me because the first time I actually got asked to preach on the hope of Christmas was when I was a youth pastor in a large Presbyterian church in New Zealand. And uh, I'll just put the, the picture up. Now, this is one of those churches that you actually um, walked in uh, and uh, there was a, 
the, the minister held a Bible and the choir kind of walked in uh, behind. And uh, on this next slide, I was actually in the choir, believe it or not. So please excuse the uh, lady who looks like an angel, but the resolution was pretty bad. <laughs> but uh, that is actually me in my choir gown. Um, and uh, that day we actually sung the Hallelujah Chorus. I am not going to sing the Hallelujah Chorus. Poor you, I know you're sad, but I, I damaged my vocal cords a number of years ago and my singing these days is not exactly what it used to be, let's just say that. Uh, so it's better off if I don't sing. But, you know, that was a, it was a really amazing time. And back in those days, the youth pastors didn't get asked to, to, uh, to preach in the big boy church. We were delegated to the youth hall or whatever it was. And so, but actually, I was asked, surprisingly, I almost fell off my chair, to actually preach um, on Advent Sunday and preach a message on hope. And during that time, um, God actually gave me um, a revelation of what the hope of Christmas uh, was. And uh, so on the next um, page... Up here, you can actually see there's a little drawing. Probably you can see it up there. Maybe up here is probably better. There's a little drawing, um, Hope, and it's got the, the manger, the cross, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and God's hand reaching out. That's, a, that's a, um, an image that I've actually used um, a lot um, because really it was a... Um, I really didn't think much probably about Christmas, uh, to be honest, because I was a kid, and uh, so you don't really sort of get really that deep. But it was like God showed me that the hope of Christmas wasn't the baby in the manger. The hope of Christmas was everything that the baby in the manger represented and was going to bring. Now, there's 351 prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus in the manger. And so it was like a major boom in the, in the cosmos that Jesus was born and it's no wonder that this event actually split time and half. Now, I know a lot of people these days think that um, BC means before the common era. I don't know what they term AD. What are they? Because AD is in the year of the Lord, Anno Domini. So BC, for me, is before Christ. Anno Domini is in the year of the Lord, AD, and we still use that. So this event of Jesus' birth was so significant that it actually split time in half. And so God invested so much in this uh, event. And his hope for Christmas is that you and I get it. And that we reach out and we receive his love um, uh, through the, the wonderful birth, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, the, the lovely ladies at the church, they actually um, uh, did the Christmas banners. And so we just go to the next one. And they actually designed the Hope Christmas banner on that vision that I had, which is pretty radical for a Presbyterian church, I must say. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And uh, actually, I just remembered something about this, um, this church. And uh, I've been doing my um, ancestry DNA um, the last um, little while. I've just been doing Rosie's as well. But it turns out that my great-great-grandfather was actually the organist at this church. Now, I came from the northernmost city in New Zealand, which is Whangarei. And Invercargill is the bottommost city in New Zealand. And... 
when my ancestors came to New Zealand, they came to Invercargill. And so my, um, my great-great-grandfather was, uh, he was actually blind, but he was a pianoforte tuner. And so he was the organist at this church. So when they were looking for a youth pastor, 80-odd um, years later, um, God just thought, hey, this would be fun. Why don't we just get this little guy here who just happened to be related to this guy here and we can just put them both in the same church? I mean, obviously my great-great-grandfather was long gone, but I think God just loves those kind of little um, nice things. That he just goes, you know what? I've got this under control, um, particularly because normally when God asks me to do things, I say no first. And then God has to say, uh, I'm sorry, but I've invested a lot in this, Brian, so... One of us is going to change our mind, and it's not going to be me. So that <laughs> tends to be the way it works in my life. Um, so I've, um, as I said, I've used this um, uh, image quite a lot, and uh, I've, I painted it when I was at Bible college. Um, but nowadays you've got, all, you've got computer graphics. So this is one that I did a couple of years ago, which if you were here last year, you would have seen me um, actually use this. And really for me... So this, this talks about God investing in Christmas. The Holy Spirit is investing in Christmas. Christ is invested in Christmas. Christmas is not just about the birth. It's about the, um, the, uh, the crucifixion. It's about the resurrection. It's about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's about the second coming of Christ. And so if the whole world, and see, so we've got lots of different colours for the different ethnic groups are all, this is the hope of Christmas, um, the, the Christ event. So as mentioned, uh, the key verse for today uh, comes from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, and it goes through to verse 7. And if you've been around the church for a while, you would have heard uh, these passages used, particularly around uh, Christmas. Now this, just to put it in context, this um, uh, word from Isaiah was actually given in a very, very dark time in Israel's history. We, we can sort of think that um, our times are difficult, but their times were very, very perilous at this time. And most of it was brought upon by their own arrogance and stupidity, turning away from God. But Isaiah gives them this hope. He encourages the hearts of the people to remind them of a promise of the Messiah, a saviour from the line of David who would come and deliver them. So let's just read this passage from Isaiah. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like the warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift their heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warriors and the uniforms of the blood stained by war will all be burned. They will all be uh, fuel for the fire. For a child is born unto us, a son is given to us. The government will rest upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice 
from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. So this was an incredibly powerful promise that was given to the nation of Israel just before they were going to go into a a terrible time of captivity. And so what this did is it actually started um, a hope that would actually carry them through all of those dark times. And it's not because it's based on some, you know, Santa Claus version of Christmas or a chocolate advent calendar. It's because it's based on the clear promises of God who has demonstrated time and time again that he is a God who not only makes promises but keeps promises. And so he had promised them a Messiah and they anchored their hope uh, in uh, him that that um, Messiah was going to come. So by the time that Jesus was actually born, 700 to 740 years had passed. Now, that, that must have been some hope <laughs> to be lasting, uh, you know, at that time because in the middle, the northern tribe had, had been taken off into captivity. The southern tribes, they've been taken into Babylon. They've been 70 years in Babylon. They've come back. They're in back in the land, but they're under, you know, different occupation. And even now they're under um, Roman uh, occupation. And so, you know, that's, that's challenging. And so, but there's still this hope that is actually uh, burning uh, for them. And so if we go to uh, Luke chapter uh, 2, verse 25 to 26, it says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So here is Simeon, 740 years after that promise was given, and he's still got that hope uh, burning uh, in him. But it wasn't just Simeon uh, in the temple. It was everybody was expecting uh, this Messiah. So in Luke chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John was the Messiah. So, you know, that hope, that was, it, it actually gave them strength to endure the hardships uh, of their life. And if you were to ask uh, the Jewish people today, they're still waiting for their Messiah. You know, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus was on earth, but they are still waiting uh, for their Messiah. That hope within them of the fulfillment of God's word is so strong. Now, the Samaritans are actually the remnants of the northern tribes of Israel. And they'd been taken into captivity by the Assyrians. And the Jews didn't actually like uh, the Samaritans because they thought that they were half-breeds and uh, they didn't actually come and worship uh, in the temple like the, the Jewish people did. And so when Jesus met the woman at the well, she was quite surprised, and that's where that sort of conversation of, oh, well, should you be talking to me because you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan? But, you know, it's interesting that even though she was technically half-breed, she was still expecting the Messiah. In, uh, in John chapter 
4, verse 25, it says, The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. So here we are with all these people holding strongly to this promise that the Messiah would come. You know, that's our hope as well. The only difference between us and them is that we believe what Jesus said in this verse, I am the Messiah. So God's hope and my hope is that each of us are filled with that same hope. You know, as we now wait for Jesus' second coming, is our faith as strong as the people of Israel who for 740 years up to that point were um, hoping for this coming of the Messiah? You know, often I uh, think of the verses from uh, Romans uh, 8, verse 23 to 24, and they say this, And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit with us, as a foretaste of the future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. You know, I'm not sure if I'm thinking about that verse a lot more because I'm getting older. But, you know, God has, God has blessed me so much. You know, he's, he's done a lot in me. Um, he's done a lot through me. But I sense that there's, there's more still to come. And Pastor Edwina was kind of mentioning this. Uh, today, and I'm sure that Mari is experiencing this today, and I'm a, bit, a little bit jealous, Mari, just saying, just a little bit jealous. But, you know, I'm, I'm tired sometimes of my struggle with sin, you know. Um, I want to be truly free from those kind of things. But, you know, we have, we have been promised something. We've been promised the full rights as God's adopted children, including new bodies. And I think that's going to be an amazing thing. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 to 3, it says this, Beloved, we are now, uh, now we are children of God, and it is not yet revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So we're going to see Jesus. Now, Mari's probably having a wonderful time seeing Jesus if she actually sort of doesn't stop talking to, you know, Hudson Taylor and all those other people. It's like, um, remember the one who died on the cross? Yeah, just get your priorities correct there, Mari. Um, but I'm sure, she, I'm sure she will. But, you know, one day when we see Jesus, we're going to see him face to face. Isn't that going to be an amazing thing? We're not just going to see the baby Jesus. We're going to see the King of Kings, you know, the God of glory, the, the one who, who is the lover of our soul, you know. And so it's going to be amazing. You know, um, some of Jesus' disciples, they saw Jesus transfigured um, when, when Moses and Elijah um, came, to, came to visit him. But not only says that they will see him or we will see him as he is, but we will be like him. Just, just wrap your head around that for a little moment. Not only are we going to have, you know, redeemed bodies, but we are going to be like Jesus. 
We're going to see him and because we are going to be like him. You know, wow, isn't that a hope? That's, that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, another key passage for today is from John chapter um, 8 and verse uh, 12. It says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have a light that leads to life. You know, we live in a very dark world today and sadly it's, it's getting darker. And, uh, you know, I remember back when I was younger, there used to be coming up to Christmas and coming up to Easter, there was always, you know, Christian movies on and that kind of stuff. But now... You, can't, you just can't find them. You know, we, um, today uh, Christmas is all about, you know, Santa Christmas, uh, Father Christmas, and, you know, Easter's all about the Easter bunny. But if you actually mention Jesus, who just happens to be the Christ in Christmas, people get upset. You know, you, you put up some Christian Christmas lights and, you know, other, other nationalities say, oh, you've got to take that down because that's offensive. It's kind of like, what is happening in the world? You know, people are getting upset and offended because of Jesus. So the world is getting darker. But you know what? When the world gets darker, the light gets brighter. And it only takes one little... If you're in a dark room and you light a little candle, it's amazing how much that whole room changes just because of that little bit of light. And that for us is what our hope is. Our hope is like that. So how do we get the message of hope out of Christmas out to the world. Well, firstly, we need to have it burning inside us. And that's my challenge for you today. Do you have the hope of Christ burning inside you? I know that Mari has that or had had that because she was one of those people who were just effervescent. You know, whenever you talk to her, you could just feel the Holy Spirit and what she was saying. You know, when I was uh, younger, um, uh, in my hometown, there used to be these men who used to stand outside uh, the post office, and when you walk past them, they'd go, "Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. All sinners will go to hell. Repent in Jesus' name." And you think, "Oh my goodness, if that's what Christianity is all about, <laughs> I think I'll give it a pass." But when you meet somebody who has got the fire of Jesus burning brightly within them, it makes a whole difference, doesn't it? And that's because we've not only encountered uh, you know, knowledge about Jesus, but we've actually encountered the person of Jesus. We've been filled with uh, the Holy Spirit. So, uh, St. Francis of Assisi says, Preach the gospel at all times and, if necessary, use words. Implicit in this saying is the understanding that often the most powerful sermons are unspoken. When we have integrity and live consistently by our standards, people notice. And when we radiate joy and happiness, they notice even more. By doing this, we become part of the hope of Christmas. That is what Jesus called us to do. Go out into the world and let people see him in us. Then they will ask the question. Now, when they ask the question, it opens up the door for us to potentially introduce them to Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter uh, 3, verse 15, it says, Instead, you must worship Christ, Jesus, as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. 
So how do we get, how do we be the hope of Christmas? Well, firstly, we can use that Advent calendar. Those guys want to go to the next slide. We can use the Advent calendar that we've uh, been given uh, to remind us of who Jesus is over the season. And, you know, that's a, Kim did an amazing job in uh, designing that calendar. And, and uh, you know, when you actually take time to consider each one of those characteristics of Christ, each one of those verses, you know, you get a rich overview of who uh, Jesus is. And so use that to get the flames burning again um, of how wonderful Jesus is in your life. Uh, be joyful as we lead up to Christmas. Don't be one of those Grinches. Oh my gosh, it's Christmas. It's going to be terrible. You know, the family going to come. I'm going to hate it. I've got to cook all day. Oh, it's going to be terrible. Can't wait till it's over. Yeah, no, don't be like that. Be joyful. You know, this is a time when, when actually the world is going to celebrate Jesus. It gives you an opportunity. You know, I've I don't know what everybody else has got in my, in my street for Christmas lights, but we have a nativity scene on our garage door. So if, if they come past us, they're seeing Jesus. And they can't say anything about it because it's Christmas. So you've got to be, you got to, you, that's it. That's it. We're, we're, we're Christians. So I'm sorry. That's what they're going to get. So, and you've got the opportunity to invite people along to church. Why? Because people traditionally come along to church at Christmas. So if you ask them, they shouldn't get offended because that's what, Je that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about the celebration of Jesus. You know, we need to speak words of hope and life into people's lives and be a blessing to those around us. And you know, one thing that we can do is we can pray, Father, who needs to see the hope of Christmas in me today? And then go and be the hope of Christmas uh, to them. And so I think that's just some very practical ways. And so <clears throat> Pastor Wayne is going to come up and close uh, the, the service. But maybe you're listening today and you're thinking, you know what, Brian, I don't really have that kind of hope that you're talking about. I've never actually met Jesus. Well, you know what? Today can be your day when you actually say, you know what, Jesus, I want that hope. I want that hope not only of forgiveness of sin, but I want that hope that you're coming back again. I want that hope that my eternal destiny is with you. I want that hope that you're going to bless people through me. I want that hope that when I see you face to face, I'm going to be like you. And so let's just, uh, maybe won't we stand and um, we're going to pray and then Pastor Wiener will come and close the service. Jesus, I thank you that you are truly the hope of this world. I need you in my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Use me so that others see this hope in me and also come to know you. And Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from our church. We pray that you feel empowered by what you've heard today. We hope that you can stay connected by following us online. You can find us at C3 Camden on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube or visit our website at www.c3camden.church. You always will be.